Hello, Marvelites. Welcome to This Week in Marvel, episode number 195. This is the official Marvel podcast of news, new releases, and uh, me running solo. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Marvel's Agent M, joined by no one at the moment, uh, uh, my illustrious co-host, Ben J. Morse, is uh, not feeling too hot, and so I said, you know what, Ben, you do this all the time. You do the podcast on your own. You're a superstar. I'm going to try it once. We'll see if I sink or swim, if I win or lose, if I succeed or fail. See, I did all of that. My God, guys, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. Uh, And our awesome intern, Alec, is currently running microphones back and forth between this room and another room where we're doing another podcast, I think, Blake is doing a podcast with a rock and roll band. Um, one thing to get out of the way at first, before he's even in here, uh, we have shamed Alec, or we are tra- shaming Alec, as he missed a ton of TwimURC tweets from last week. And uh, we found that out over the weekend. I think it was from DJ Fanko. Uh, thank you for bringing his failures to light. Uh, it is important for us. It's a learning experience for him. So I made sure he grabbed all those. I'm going to run through those because it's literally like nine pages worth of tweets uh, that we missed last week. And Alec is walking in right now. He's got his flamingo shirt on, looking stylish. Uh, Alec, how do you feel about having failed the twi- the uh, Twimamaniacs so deeply? Um, you know, part of me feels really sorry um, because it's my job and I should have done it. Um, but you know, mistakes happen and I'm just going to learn from my mistakes and, and grow from it. Well said. Yes. Mistakes do happen. I believe me, I've made more than my fair share over my almost nine years at Marvel. So, uh, we move on, we push forward and I'm going to dive right into the books cause I'm doing them all this week, guys. We only have one microphone working here. So, Alec, you're going to have to shout if you have anything to add. Okay, will do. All right. Uh, first up this week, we've got all-new Hawkeye, number four. Number four, written by Jeff Lemire. Art by Ramon Perez. Colors by Ian Herring. Another gorgeous issue, uh, predominantly set in the past. I mean, they, you know, if you've been reading all-new Hawkeye, you know that the story is split in two in a way where we see a lot of scenes from Clint and Barney's childhood uh, and then we also see a bit of what's going on currently with Clint and Kate and uh, I would say 75% of the page is made up of the um, the past stuff which Ramon does in that beautiful style that's you know with Ramon and Ian doing that like kind of watercolor thing going on it's gorgeous uh, and it's cool because you get to see more of Clinton Barney um, working in the circus and sort of this issue is really good because it, it shows where they really started to split apart and um, how they really started to differ they were brothers but you know just set on different paths as young men and um, very interesting At the same time we see uh, currently in the present which I think is almost all uh, I wouldn't say silent because there are there are word um, there are sound effects but there's no dialogue spoken I believe in the the current stuff um, we just get to see uh, Clint and Kate and the kids who we've met and lucky the dog uh, trying to escape from the building because Hydra's after him. So uh, all kinds of cool stuff. Wraps up in a big, crazy moment right at the end. And then uh, we've got another issue coming from all-new Hawkeye. Uh, 
All right, up next is E for Extinction number two, Secret Wars tie-in book. Uh, it's written by uh, Chris Burnham and Dennis Culver with art by Ramon Villalobos and colors by, again, Ian Herring. Uh, dude's a superstar. Yeah, rocking it. It's so good, too. So, so good. Um, this is our uh, Morrison Quietly era X-Men type story in the uh, in the secret world secret wars world uh the x-men uh sort of like the older generation of x-men wolverine cyclops emma frost have freed zorn uh we've got this great big uh full page splash of the four of them walking from an explosion which is just that classic movie moment uh but all that's going on we get beast we get magneto who is shacking up with esme uh, yeah esme one of the cuckoos uh who is I mean, Magneto is anywhere from, like, 40 to 70, depending on, you know, like, the way you think about him, I, I guess. Uh, if Ben were here, he would probably have a much more uh, concise answer. But he's he's a nebulously older gentleman, whereas Esme is definitely, like, 19, probably, mm-hmm. give or take. Uh, the Cuckoos are, are still young ladies, and um, so it's a little weird be honest but everybody seems totally kosher with it it's fine they're doing what they're doing uh big brawls as all the x teams go go to town we get magneto versus zorn we get a big mystery with this uh if you haven't been following i don't want to spoil too much because as you know we don't spoil on this podcast alec is shaking his head (laughs) a visual cue that i enjoy although you can't hear it uh he's shaking his head because we don't do spoilers uh but the two teams of x-men clash there's a big thing that we've been seeing in the last couple of issues that uh we get a little bit more information about and then boom huge last page which took me a minute but when i figured out what was going on i loved it love love loved it there's also a dude with a giant mustache on here who i love even more um all right on to Future Imperfect, number two. Written by Peter David, art by Greg Land, inks by Jay Lyston, colors by Nolan Woodard. I love this because it's a rat-a-tat Peter David book. It's just, you know, snappy dialogue, funny stuff, great moments with the characters. Uh, there's always someone being annoyed by someone else. And, you know, we've got these rebels who are trying to overthrow the maestro. And their leader, who looks like uh, what we know as Ben Grimm the Thing, is actually Thunderbolt Ross. He's been captured, and they think, oh, God, we got to go save him. You know, we're going to infiltrate the maestro's palace. We're going to do all this stuff. And then just crazy turns right near the end and fun stuff. Uh, I, much, I really, really like the direction the story took because I thought it was fun and it's, it's different. And um, I kind of think that it won't go down the way... A bunch of those characters expect but that's sort of the joy and the fun of comics have you read anything this week alec i haven't i have you not, haven't had a chance okay i haven't yeah because um, I, I like the quizzical look on your face like ooh, i want to read that well because I've, I've read future imperfect number one and two um and i really enjoyed them particularly because i haven't really encountered a lot of the characters that i am reading in that book mm-hmm. like ruby summers is awesome yeah I'm loving that character i I can't remember having discussed this a couple of issues so far if we've seen her before. Again, Ben would know for sure. Yeah. Uh, but I don't I think she's new to the series, maybe? Really? Maybe? Well, she's, she's great. She's cool, yeah. Yeah, she's super cool. 
All right, next book is Kanan, The Last Padawan, number four, written by Greg Weissman, or Weissman? I wonder if it's Weissman or Weissman. Probably is, depends on where he's from. Sure, sure. Uh, art by Pepe Larraz, colors by David Curiel, uh, gorgeous cover, as always, by Mark Brooks. Always love giving Mark that shout-out because he's doing great work. Um, we've got uh, just more story of Kanan going from, you know, Padawan and Jedi in training to smuggler, to thief, to being betrayed, to betraying, to on the run, to all the kind of crazy stuff. And, um, you know, I, it's a great job of Greg, Greg and Pepe do a great job of showing the confusion and the sadness that he has going through all these things like his all his friends either betrayed him or are dead. He has been. Uh, sold and lost and captured and been essentially crapped upon throughout the galaxy uh, and he's just trying to figure out what the hell he's supposed to do and he finally starts to get a grasp on his reality and then uh, a character from his past shows up and that you know sort of flips the tables on him um, all kinds of stuff happens right you know in the, within the last couple pages uh and everything sort of looks like it's coming to a head this is our penultimate issue of this story if not for this uh series it might i think it's a limited run uh so we're going to see the the conclusion of that next issue all right on to loki agent of asgard number 16 this is one of our last days issues and uh it's written by al ewing Art by Lee Garbett with colors by Antonio Fabella. And, I mean, it starts out with this, you know, great big text page that breaks everything down, is sort of cheeky and great, but then opens on to the death of Volstagg, which is, like, that was one of those things, uh, and with Fandral already dead, like, that was a big, like, oh, crap moment for me. Uh, I know everything dies, we're in the middle of Secret Wars, but uh, that was still epic and intense and then we go to Asgard which um, to Valhalla which was great because Fandral has this line he's like uh, well met voluminous one how goes the battle are we to see more warriors grace these proud halls as pretty much yeah 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 but then things are starting to change a little bit Uh, we've got uh, Lorelai and Sigurd show up maybe they have some tricks up their sleeves to turn the tide great panel super super great panel where and I'll show you Alec where uh, we get Freya Sigurd and uh, Lorelai putting on sunglasses getting ready for the big battle and uh, saying that you know this is supposed to make them look cool right and they get to the final battle great stuff flash over to earth where Loki uh, in his slash her most current form is you're looking at a very confused I'm like, Alec. I, I'm so not up to date with this. Oh book boy, at all, and I have no idea. I love what's it. Going on. I, I love it because I one of the things I love is uh, the way they play with the fluidity of gender for Loki, which has been the case for a long time. But like, especially right now, it's just sort of it's neither here nor there. It's this and it's that, and it's you know it, it's really it's a great great way to tell this story. That's um, cool. Yeah. And so Loki is talking to Verity uh, and sort of basically explaining, hey, everything's going to die. You're my friend, Verity. 
I think I figured out a way to save you from forever being gone. Uh, it's a really sweet and touching moment in the midst of all the horror. And then we flash back over to this like great epic last Ragnarokian battle uh, as uh, the, the heroes that are left from Asgard are facing uh, evil old Loki and his forces. And then young Loki comes in and does that little razzmatazz, razzle-dazzle. Like this page, there's a these panels are great. Like how it goes from one, he, he takes the staff in one hand, or she takes the staff in one hand, flips it over, and then he's holding it in the other hand. It's so good. The Loki in this, so much Loki. Um, all that's going on, and I love the abject terror in old Loki's face uh, by the end of the story as we get to see more characters come in. The battle really, really heats up. Big things going down. Uh, just giant two-page splash as literally happening while the um, the two Earths are colliding. Uh, that we saw at the beginning of Secret Wars. So all kinds of crazy stuff, and it's not the end of Loki's story, which I think was a fantastic, really cool, really ominous way to go out on it. I think this might be the last issue, but we'll find out. If we get another one in 30 days, uh, then, hey, we've got more, and I would I would welcome more. All right, on to Magneto number 20, written by Colin Bunn, art by Paul Davidson. Colors by Paul Mounts. Uh, this is another Last Day storyline. A lot of Last Days this week. Uh, this one tells the story of Magneto and what basically the price he's paid, the sacrifices he's made, and the things he's done to, in his mind, get ultimate power to stop this. I mean, it's great because he's done so many evil things, but and he even does some pretty terrible things in this issue in order to try and stop the Earth from colliding. He's basically putting all his cards on the table, taking every single risk possible, uh, stealing power, amping up to the point where he is ripping himself apart in order to stop this. Uh, this is the pen, penultimate issue is for this series as well. Um, he's like losing his mind. He's His brain is... There's a, there's a great line in here somewhere uh, where he's talking about the things that are happening in his brain as he's taking all the magnetic forces all the bioelectric energies of earth coursing through him it's his final act this is how the world ends uh, and he will not stop until he dies or succeeds which is that's some magneto action I wonder which one happens <laughs> wow who knows let us wait and see um, we've got uh, up next Marvel Zombies number two back to uh, Battle World uh, written by Cy Spurrier art by Kev Walker colors by Guru FX and I mean this it opens up on um, Elsa Bloodstone and the, the little kid what is his name uh, just a mysterious child I don't know that we have a name for I think it's a him for, uh, for this kid uh, just digging around inside zombie Modoc's body which makes me so happy. Uh, it's just, you got zombie Modoc going, ow, 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 ow. Uh, this Modoc is called Moribund Organism Designed Only for Cannibalism. I need a full OGN featuring this Modoc ASAP. Uh, video guys coming in, trying to steal equipment. Gonna definitely make some noise. It's fine, Brian. Say hello. Hello. <laughs> um, 
so we've got this where Elsa's looking for equipment, looking for things, things that can help them survive. While that's going on, there's this like mysterious necromancer type character following them and watching them, and they need to go. Uh, they know that basically time is running short for them. Uh, then we get those flashbacks where we see how just awful Elsa's father was, Ulysses Bloodstone, just a total P.O.S., just like this guy, no, Brian. Just you, you're good. You're you're being pretty quiet, like a little cat. Brian's like a little tiny baby cat. Uh, and then someone has to knock on the door. Um, gosh darn it, guys. Uh, anyway, uh, so we've got Elsa and this little kid traveling through the Deadlands, Badlands, wherever all the zombies and the horrors are, uh, and they get a. Uh, Basically, they a, a character shows up who's like, hey. And Elsa's like, oh, wait, you're cool. What's going on? He's like, I'm here to help. Let me help you, take you away from here. And she, in the midst of all this chaos, is like, all right, cool. Take him, come back for me. And then realizes, dum-dum, that is not a real helpful person. Uh, and then we see where that leads her by the end of the issue and what just disgusting horrors are in store for them. Look at that last page, Alec. Wow. Yeah, actually, I don't even think that that's not even the last that's, page. That's the last page. I think that last page is better than the penultimate. It page. might even be, yeah, because uh, uh, it was not what I expected. No spoilers. No spoilers. All right, on to Old Man Logan number three. Uh, I think this was the first book I read last week, and it is so good. Written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by Andrea Sorrentino, colors by Marcelo Maialo. Opens up on Apocalypse, beating the crap out of Wolverine, uh, fighting against the X-Men. So we're in the, the domain of Apocalypse, the Age of Apocalypse world. We've got uh, a Thor who looks like she is from uh, the same realm as Beta Ray, or like the same race as Beta Ray Bill. Uh, which Corbinites, I believe. Uh, we don't get her other name in here. At first, I thought she was Storm uh, because just you know she kind of has that Storm vibe. But she she ain't got no nose. That is true. She ain't got no nose. Uh, and I think someone calls her a Goat Thor, uh, which you know essentially you're gonna call Beta Ray Bill either a Horse Thor or a Goat Thor or something like that. So it all works out. A lot of uh, epic happening right here because Thor and Apocalypse are at odds here because Apocalypse wants to know what the hell is going on um, don't touch my people don't touch my land and what is this dude and Thor's like that dude that Wolverine has crossed borders he is in uh, he is defying Doom's law so then just as you would imagine things do not go well there's just horrible fighting going on uh, we get to meet uh, a boom boom Boomer, Tabitha, uh, here, which is great. I guess we didn't see her in the original Age of Apocalypse. Uh, but Wolverine, I think what I love is, you know, Wolverine's been through so much. And you watch, you you read these old man Logan stories. And as was the case in the original one, he's, like, tempered. He's been through a lot. He's sort of, like, trying to keep it cool. But then when he gets to that point, it's not necessarily the berserker rage of the young Logan. It is, like the most it is the ultimate killing machine letting itself loose and going for broke 
and we get to see Old Man Logan go after a Thor, which uh, is violent and brutal and leads us to him getting somehow tossed through dimensions, which I love it. He gets tossed into Technopolis, which is, I, I love this. It's like a tour of the uh, of Battle World. Uh, so even if you're just reading this, you're not reading Secret Wars, you're getting a sense of the rest of Secret Wars, you're getting a sense of all these other books. So if you want to see more of The Age of Apocalypse, you go read that book. If you want to see more of Technopolis, you go read Armor Wars. Uh, it's, you know, like little bits and pieces that are very cool that I, I think will really make you want to check out more of these stories. By the end, uh, Wolverine gets tossed into, or Logan, I should say, gets tossed into um, a place where he may not fare so well. <laughs> Woo, indeed. Um, all right, we've got... Well, you have to leave already? My gosh, you made it 21 minutes. I know. Goodbye, everyone. I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, all right, so you didn't take any notes. I'll take notes if I need to. Okay. Thank you, Alec. Thank you. Be well. All right. Up next, we've got Punisher number 20. This is, I believe, yeah, this is the final issue of the Punisher series by Nathan Edmondson and Mitch Gerards. Um, it, you know, Punisher is, uh, he's basically going for one last mission uh, as the multiverse collapses. He's um, going out punishing those who deserve it, uh, particularly the Black Dawn fighters, a terrorist group taking and killing American hostages. One of them who is a former associate of Frank's. Uh, so he knows everything's falling to pieces. He's already done, you know, some of his business back home. Now he's coming to take the fight to them in Tikrit, Tikrit, and it's just there's a great scene where you know he's going around, he's killing people, he's terrifying them. Uh, also, his skull is like blazing. Uh, he's got something that's letting it, you know, stay lit up and on fire for a while. But then there's this one scene where. He's, like, killing someone in the dark. And uh, one of the leaders of the evil terrorist group throw a grenade down. We see him in the light for a second, and then he's gone. And it's just murder, 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 death, 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 kill, kill, kill. Just violent. This is a really, uh, really, 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 really violent final issue. You know, befitting the Punisher. And it's... I also like there's... um, The last two pages are as... The universe is as everything is as the incursions are happening uh, and everything is falling into pieces going away uh, we see Punisher's final final moments really cool alright up next Spider-Woman number 9 written by Dennis Hopeless art and colors by uh, well pencils and colors by Javier Rodriguez inks by Alvaro Lopez uh, this has Jessica Drew and Ben Yurick going on a road trip with Porcupine. I am so happy. As you guys know, if you've been listening, I love me some Porcupine in the series. Uh, I believe his name is Frank or Randy? Randy? Frank. Uh, it's Randy or is it Frank? Roger. It's not. It's, it's Roger, guys. Duh. Told you. Uh, so they got the three of them going on this road trip, dealing with all these crazy problems. Uh, one Ben is almost sacrificed. One on another one, they go to like spring break where uh, Jess has to fight uh, an like uh, a Lemurian, I believe. Lemurians are the blue uh, underwater race. If Ben were here, he would say you're right or you're wrong. 
so there's there's that. Uh, but she gets to punch a giant fish. Um, we get uh, like a crazy road gang. I think what are they called? The Furious Five. Um, uh, the Furious Five. Yeah, she fights the Furious Five, and I love it because like. You know, Ben Yurick, he's not a fighter. He's a reporter. Porcupine, he's kind of a Z-list villain. He's survived barely these years. He's not that great. Uh, but Jess is total badass. And uh, as they go through, they, they keep rolling. Roger is driving and brings them to Dodge City, where everything really, really takes a turn. It's bananas crazy. And we've got this cool new character introduced here, the sheriff who's got a disgusting mustache. It's really, really gross. It's one of those mustaches that is not there in the middle of his face, like under his nose and above most of his lips, but then starts on either side and comes down. I love it so much. It's disgusting. Uh, but he has got plans. He is trying... I would say... Yeah, I mean, I guess he's evil. I, I wanna, I'm trying to give him benefit of the doubt, but no, he's... He's a total turd, uh, and he's just doing awful things. And we've got this really, really, really super creepy final page uh, for this issue. But we'll get another one in 30 days. So good. So good. Uh, I love what Dennis and Javier do on this book. Um, number one issue for Star-Lord and Kitty Pride, written by Sammy Humphreys. Artist is Alti Fermancia. So I apologize, Alti, if I mispronounced your name. Um, colors by Jessica Colleen. But this is a gorgeous comic. Alti's art is fantastic. It's got an animated feel to it. Um, just like it kind of, when I say cartoony, I mean it in the best possible way. There's just like this flow to it. There's a level of emotion. Uh, some really cool clean lines that go on with it. Really great. Uh, and it's set in, for the most part, the quiet room, which we've seen in Inhumans Adeline Rising. Uh, we've seen throughout a bunch of things. It's that sort of neutral ground in Grand Central Station. But we've got uh, a Kitty Pride who comes to the quiet room. She's got a deal to make with ugh, Gambit. Uh, while that's going on, we get to see that Star-Lord is sort of blended in. And this is the Star-Lord from the Marvel Universe that we know. He has come here. He says he saw everything die, um, they, but he escaped with a couple other people on that cosmic life raft. Uh, and, you know, in the chaos, he got separated from them. And now he hides out here being a, a singer for the Quiet Room's band. And what does he do? He sings Disney movie songs, which I think is hilarious. He's singing uh, the Little Mermaid song, the part of your world. Right? Is that what it is? Ben would either not know or know if he were here. Uh, anyway, he's singing these songs. Everybody loves him. He's a big old star. Um, but, you know, he's pining for his lady. He loves him. His uh, Kitty Pride. she's not around, so he's, you know, doing his thing. I love that the bouncer at this place is an alternate version of Drax, who has got a crazy bonkers pompadour. It is like if you took 10 Morrissey pompadours uh, and threw on, like, you know, as much gel as you could, it wouldn't be as epic as this pompadour. I love it so much. Uh, then we really flash into what's going on with 
this version of Kitty Pride and this version of Gambit, um, what they're doing. There's, I, when I was talking about the animated stuff, it really like amps it up a lot when, in this interaction because Gambit's eyes get really big when he sees the score he's he's hoping to get, and then he actually they draw uh, Alti draws the actual hearts on his eyes and around his head, and it is one thousand percent perfect. Really, really great. Uh, but Peter finally catches on that, whoa, that's a Kitty Pride here in this world. He loves Kitty. Uh, then, you know, goes to talk to her and everything sort of goes pear-shaped as, you know, things often do. Uh, this Kitty ain't having no random kisses from Star-Lord. Uh, but we'll see where they go after this. Uh, I don't want to give too much away because, you know, no spoilers, but terrific first issue of this series. All right, Uncanny X-Men, number 35, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by Valerio Schitti. And uh, this starts off with, you know, um, this character who uh, I think she's new. She's, she, I'll be honest, she looks like a wrestler. Looks pretty awesome. Like, this is a costume I want to see in WWE or NXT. Uh, She's pissed off because she's a mutant and her dad is a racist and doesn't like mutants and is teaching at a high school and just loses her cool she unleashes like demons and craziness and then bam uh the the young team of x-men the former students of the xavier school which were under the tutelage of scott summers and magic and emma frost they pop in out of nowhere um rko and everything we've got gold balls and hijack and Benjamin Deeds, tri- Triage, and the three cuckoos here. Uh, big star of this issue, as one would imagine, is Gold Balls. Gold Balls coming in, just yelling his name, which is terrific. Uh, they fight, you know, it, a really cool way that they're able to um, subdue this gal who has been causing all this trouble. And really, uh, this is a very public outing for this young team. Um, they go, they hide out in a place, which is a really, really cool little little detail I'll let you guys discover there. But in the midst of their fight and their battling, they were caught on video because that's what would happen. Anywhere you do anything outside, someone's going to catch it on video. It's going to go on the YouTubes. It's going to go on the Twitters. And it'll escalate from there if it's a big deal. Here it is. Gold Ball becomes a giant star in this story. It's terrific until craziness and you know that the whole uh mutants are hated and feared it's just it's really a bummer and but that's the reality in what they're dealing with uh and everything takes a really epic horrible turn until we get to that last page where hopefully we'll get some uh something good to happen for these kids but we won't know for a while because it's to be continued in uncanny x-men number 600 All right, uh, final book of the week is Weird World, number two, written by Jason Aaron, art by Mike Del Mundo. So we've got Archon. He is, he's lost his dragon. He's been captured by water apes, which, yeah, water apes. So cool. Uh, he's been captured, but he ain't having none of it. He's ready to break out. And we get in his cell, he is next to this uh, mysterious character who turns out to be uh, this guy named Warbo, Warrior of Crystallium, which he's like 
10 feet tall and made of, you know, super dense crystal, I'm guessing. And they're going to go escape together. So we get tons of awesome battle stuff. It's violent. It's bloody. It's, you know, like epic fantasy drama action craziness, which I love, love, love. Uh, they're fighting. We flash over to Archon's dragon, which uh, is to be tamed by Morgan Le Fay, who she's just so mean. She's just so mean. There's actually a great panel in here where you've got these two like ogre dudes who work for Morgan, and one of them's like, "The Baroness has left the building." The other one says, "Thank Doom for that." You know what that means? And one's like, "Yeah, it means we're suddenly a lot less likely to be murdered," and then they get murdered which is great and to be expected. Uh, but we've got, you know, this this crazy epic uh, struggle as Archon and Warbo are going on a quest. Uh, Warbo says, hey, I'll, I need you to help me get and find my prince, my king. Uh, we find him and then I will give you my map of Weird World and you can find, you know, your way back to Polymachus uh, and maybe your dragon and all that stuff. Uh, so Archon's on it. He's like, yes, I'm going to kill the hell out of some stuff. Boom, 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 boom. And they go, and <laughs> there's just a great series of panels right near the end where uh, all I'll say is Archon has a great reaction shot. Terrific stuff. I love the little weird twist there in this book. This is so, so fun. So fun. Uh, testament to uh, Jason and Mike for just doing something that's so out there and crazy and full of awesome new weird ideas that uh, I hope you guys are reading that. All right, time to pick. Uh, a lot of good books. Loki was so friggin' good. Marvel Zombies, Old Man Logan. Man, Star Lord and Kitty Pride. I think though, I think I'm gonna go with Weird World, Weird World number two as my pick. Uh, it was just. It's just so fun, and I just love everything they're putting through that book. Uh, so, kudos, you guys, Jason and Mike, you win. Um, uh, maybe a slice of pizza or something next time I see you. Okay, uh, time for collections on sale this week. We've got Daredevil by Frank Miller and Klaus Jansen, Volume One, which is a reprint. Uh, so this list, I will preface it saying the list we got. Uh, ben usually has his system of getting stuff. Uh, without him here, I. Alec and I worked a different way to try to get this, so hopefully it is as correct as possible. Uh, we've also got Daredevil Volume 3, The Daredevil You Know, Deadpool Classic Volume 12, Deadpool Core, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, Guardians Disassembled, Hulk Volume 3, Omega Hulk Boom, o Omega Hulk Book 2, Legendary Star-Lord Volume 2, Rise of the Black Vortex, Rocket Rat Raccoon Volume 2, Story Taylor premier hardcover spider-man big time the complete collection volume four savage wolverine volume four the best there is and spider-man and x-men trade paperback digital comics on sale on the app this week we've got everything we talked about for the new issues plus x-men 92 infinite comic issue five remember guys x-men 92 you can read it in print it's great 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 but it was built for Infinite Comics, and it is a really fun experience when you read it that way. Also on sale on the app, we've got uh, Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 2 Declassified. I believe that's digital. Might be just in the print. I saw the print copies last week, so definitely in print. 
maybe a digital. Alec has it on the digital side, so um, you never know. All right, uh, this week in um, Marvel Unlimited, we've got Silver Surfer number nine, Ms. Marvel number 11, All New X Factor number 20, Amazing Spider Man number 13, which is Spider Verse, Black Widow number 14, Captain America and the Mighty Avengers number four, Deadpool's Art of War number four, Elektra number 10, Fantastic Four 642, Guardians of the Galaxy number 23. Legendary Star-Lord, number 8. Loki, Agent of Asgard, number 10. Magneto, number 14. Wolverines, number 3. Nightcrawler, number 10. Thanos versus Hulk, number 2. X-Verse, number 4. X-Verse. What the hell is X-Verse? X-Force, number 14. Shield, number 2. And Spider-Verse, number 2. Spider-Verse, number 2, I think, is... um, Oh, no, that's Edge of Spider-Verse. Sorry. Spider-Verse number two is the final part of Spider-Verse, I believe. Um, so if you didn't read Spider-Verse while it was going on, boom, you can catch up now. Super great. We also added this month uh, Rise of the Incarnates issue, or recently Rise of the Incarnates 10 and 11, which are, that was print done, oh gosh, years ago, right? And then Iron Man in Remote Possibilities. It's a custom comic we did with uh, DJI. They do uh, these cool drones, um, and we did a cool deal with them where we made a custom comic featuring Iron Man, and we gave out the print copies in uh, at San Diego. But you can read it now if you missed it uh, in San Diego. And, um, I mean, there's, there's plenty more new this month. There are, so far, added in July or added in July 69 new comics which I don't think includes the 19 that are added this week Uh, I'm looking through on the app right now we've got old issues of Defenders which is bonkers crazy um, some cool old Iron Man some of this we've talked about before so guys get yourselves into the Marvel Unlimited app because it is chock full of goodness alright news normally we would go here and I would tell you, uh, or Ben would tell you all the cool things that are happening. Um, but it is early in the week, and uh, we haven't really had anything big happen or break. Although Ant-Man, Marvel's Ant-Man, was number one at the box office. Uh, Stromy and the Wolfman will drop some knowledge on that real soon. Um, we've got, uh, I think we have a Marvel Future Fight video coming. There's Marvel Puzzle Quest news coming this week. Um you know, a lot of the stuff that you expect from, from us, uh, we're working on it, uh, with Ben out, I apologize. We don't have all the little nitty bitty details, but plenty coming. Uh, we're going to kick it over to first Stromy and the Wolfman to give their bit. Uh, then when they're done, we're going to kick it over to, um, uh, a little interview I've done with, uh, a gal who worked on a cool science project. Uh, she, I, I saw a tweet online about how she did a study. Uh, her name is Kate. How she did a study on uh, women's gender roles in Marvel comics from the 60s to today. And I thought it was really neat. So I invited her to Marvel um, to sort of 
you know, see what we do. It's a rare thing. And I wanted to have her on the podcast here. I think she's also going to be on the Women of Marvel podcast. Uh, so we'll talk to her for just a, a couple minutes to get a little bit of insight in case you don't listen to Women of Marvel. But uh, then we'll do that. Then we'll come back with This Week in Marvel Unlimited Reading Club questions and comments from last week and all this week's questions. Hello there, This Week in Marvelites. This is Marvel.com editor Mark Strom, who has regained his voice and no longer sounds like a far creepier version of Tom Waits, uh, joined by... Marvel.com assistant editor Patrick Cavanaugh. For another thrilling installment of the Strami and the Wolfman show, starring the Wolfman and Strami. I was going to say, someone on Twitter referred to you as Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider? Not Ghost Writer, like the little bouncing thing, but right. Ghost Rider because of your voice. My voice on like Ghost Rider? I'll take Except it. Except worse. Except worse. I'll take it. I, I meant to look up... The uh, demons are rattling at the door. I meant to look up who Isn't had said it on quote? Twitter to give them some sort of shout-out, but, but you it don't. just took so long to scroll through my notifications because so many people are like, fave, retweet, fave, retweet, uh, reply. Oh, my, man, you're so funny. In case anybody <laughs> didn't pick up on that, he was joking. Nobody no, I was that. very serious. No, he was totally joking. This week in Marvel World, we got to talk about Ant-Man still in theaters. Still in theaters we were, for we a were, whopping, like, five days now. We uh, we uh, were number one at the box office last weekend. We're so thank number you. one. Thank we're you to, number uh, one. Thank you to yeah, all our fans who helped make that possible. Let's figure out how many fans that was. 57.23 million? No, it was like 50. So, yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, no, that's right, yeah. 57.23 divided by, how much is a ticket? Okay, all right. Well, we're done that's with that least, exercise. That's at least like we are done 200 with, we're people. We're done with that exercise. Thank you all for making Thank us Thank all one 200 of you. Again. It's more than 200 people. 300. Uh, it's more, okay. Um, and what, uh, what else do we have to talk about that, man? That's pretty much it. Go see it again this weekend. Um we well, or weekday if you don't have a job well that's or if you work at night go see it during the day during the week right. if you're in the service industry i'm pretty sure everyone gets the idea well you just seemed a little too specific okay go see it this weekend all right go go see it again there or you go yet, Boom. go see it in the first place there you go even better what we got going on in the world of Marvel television. Not much I can tell you just yet about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or Marvel's Agent Carter. We're obviously gearing up to go back into production on those, and we'll have some. Uh, I know for a fact we'll have some uh, exciting new stuff coming up very, very soon from that. But over in the world of animation, we got a couple things of booming. Yeah, just this week we released the very first teaser. It's only a 15-second teaser. I think you get maybe three or four shots of the gang in action, but it's the teaser for the uh, animated series Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. That will be premiering Saturday, September 26th at 9.30 p.m. in a one-hour, two-episode magical event on Disney XD. However, we're also doing a sneak peek of just the first episode Saturday, September 5th at 9 p.m. on Disney XD. And every Saturday in August... We are, or Disney XD rather, is going to be showing a different short centered around a different character. There are five Guardians. There are five Saturdays and Sat, five Saturdays and Saturday. No, five Saturdays in August. 
So lots of Guardian stuff. We debuted a poster this week. We also debuted some new posters for the upcoming Ultimate Spider-Man and Avengers series. The next season of Ultimate Spider-Man will be called Marvel's Ultimate Spider-Man versus the Sinister Six. That'll be the fourth season, making it the longest-running Spider-Man animated series. Marvel animated. Marvel animated series. Marvel's ever. Ultimate Spider-Man actually by the end in of this, season three. Right? By the end of this third season, will have the title of the longest-running uh, Marvel animated series of all time. And also, we put up a poster for the new season of Marvel's Avengers Assemble. That third season will be titled Marvel's Avengers Ultron Revolution. So we put those posters up. Check out those posters. Check out that teaser. And after this, you'll be chatting with not Harris, Steve Wacker. Nope, not Steve Wacker. I'll be chatting with Harrison Wilcox and Marsha, whose last name I already forgot. But just listen to this thing that you're already listening to for maybe three minutes, and you'll get to hear what her last name is. Patrick the Wolfman Kavanaugh. Always keeping it professional and classy. And brief. All right, thank you. Oh, we have one more thing oh, that, uh, that I wanted to point out. What? We announced uh, a little bit of information about the Phase 2 home video box set release. Oh, that's right, yes. Yeah. That'll uh, be coming this holiday season. This holiday season. It's available for pre-order now on Amazon.com. I believe, at least when I posted it, probably for the time being, it's like $250. So that's a good price, right? Absolutely it is. Right. What, you, you, you're like looking at me like inquisitively. Yeah, because I don't know. I don't know what kind of money you make. W- let's talk about what your salary is. No. Let, what? This got derailed very quickly. All right. Wrapping things up. Oh, you know what? We also posted some, because Mr. Benjamin Morris is out of the office, we posted some game stories this week. Absolutely. Uh, Red Hulk is now available in Marvel Future Fight. You can see a little bit of him in action on Marvel.com. And um, There's also an interview with uh, somebody's Casey Malone to talk about Jean Grey being in Marvel mm-hmm. Puzzle Quest. Yes. So check out both those on Marvel.com. That pretty much wraps up everything we got this week. Uh, thank you all for listening again, as always. A uh, special shout-out uh, to our office manager, J.P. Rave, who decided to creepily just um, walk in the room as we started recording this podcast and has just been sitting here silently the no, entire time I, watching us. I don't think we should say creepily walked in the room. I think we should say uh, I call. I specifically called his bluff. Of him saying, I'm going to sit in on the record. And I said, you know what? You do that. And so he came. He's a man of, he is a man of his word. And I specifically yelled out in response to both of you, no. And he still just came in. It's Marsha Griffin. Marsha Griffin. There we go. See? He's proven his worth. All right, great. Can we just have him all the time as a fact checker? Because there are lots of things you and I get wrong. <laughs> That at any moment we should be like, what What day does that come out? What is that thing? Actually, it's not a super terrible idea. <laughs> um, all right. Thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, we'll be back in seven more days. Until then, have a splendiferous weekend, a splendiferous er, week. Uh, thank you again for listening. I'm pretty sure I already said that three times. And as always, remember, drink your Ovaltine. Good afternoon or good evening or good morning. Uh, there's so many times of the day you could be listening to this right now, uh, this this Week in Marvel podcast. This is 
Marvel.com assistant editor Patrick Cavanaugh, and I am not joined by Steve Wacker. Uh, I finally got him to quit. He had all these demands of things that he wanted in the green room, which is weird because I come to his office, so I could not supply him with his demands to his own green room. I really think he should have taken care of that. But better yet, I am joined by Harrison Wilcox. And we also have Marsha Griffin. Marsha Griffin and Harrison Wilcox. Now, Harrison, you've been on this before, haven't you? I have. So we aren't really that interested in what you have to say because it's probably the same old stuff. I'm not even that interested in what I have to say. <laughs> I don't blame you. Uh, but, Marsha, you have not been on this podcast before. So uh, could you tell us a little bit about what your role is here just uh, at Marvel and Marvel Animation? Sure. Um, I'm actually new. I started a couple of weeks ago. Um, I was uh, for a long, long, long time an animation writer and story editor. and uh, But I was hired not that long ago to be the new director of current series, which is not that dissimilar to what Harrison does. In fact, it's exactly the same thing as Harrison does, only I'm not only better. as <laughs> up to speed <laughs> as Harrison so. is. So uh, Harrison's far more knowledgeable at this point than I am. I hope to catch up to him one day, but that's just a personal aspiration. That, man, it must be tough that you're going to have to catch up by watching all of our animated I series. His, I live in Harrison's shadow right now. so Don't we all? <laughs> and in his office. Oh, so you get to yeah, share an office, to, too? Yeah, he, he, he had an office all to himself until I showed up a couple weeks ago. And, and uh, so when you, when you came into Marvel, what was so exciting for you about joining uh, as in the Marvel Universe, the, the Marvel animated series? Well, I mean, I, I had recently been working on Guardians, and so, um, I mean, I had worked with Marvel in various forms over the last probably 10, 15 years at different series. Um, this was a whole new regime at Marvel for me, and it was refreshing and fun, and I had such a great time working on Guardians um, that when they offered me the opportunity to come to over to this side, I just you know couldn't turn, couldn't turn it down. So it was very exciting. I love all the projects, and I think it's a, the company's taken a really great direction. Very cool. And, and you mentioned Guardians. Just today, for, for those of you listening at home or in your car or at the gym, listen, you could listen to this podcast virtually any time of the day, virtually any place where you have a technological device with you. In a bathtub? It could be a bathtub. Honestly, would not recommend a bathtub because water and electronics do not work well. However, if you have taken these episodes and recorded them to a tape cassette and maybe you have like a Walkman, do people do that? Do you think anyone would do Exactly. Yeah. If you're using 1983's technology to listen in the bathtub. Also, bathtubs, I think, are outdated. Next next podcast, we're doing it in a bathtub. <laughs> All right. Well, Steve Wacker will be back next week, luckily. And, I will uh, not be there. I hate baths. Yeah. See, baths, they're outdated. I don't like them. But you have a, a child at home, so that's probably why you're more familiar with, with baths and bath time. Yeah. You do bathe right. your child, correct? Sure. I'm not a parent, but I hear that's one of the things you need to do. It's up to him. Yeah. Fair enough. That's very progressive of you. Uh, however, speaking of Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, for those of you listening to the podcast, you can head on over to Marvel.com, and we just posted uh, the first 15-second teaser of the upcoming series. It's the first 
thing that we've released where you actually get to see the Guardians in action. So that's very cool. Make sure you check that out. We also released a poster for the series earlier this week. And we released some posters for the upcoming seasons of uh, the Avengers and Spider-Man animated series. So we've got the poster for Marvel's Ultimate Spider-Man vs. The Sinister Six and mm-hmm. Marvel's Avengers Ultron Revolution. Whew. I just said a lot of things. And we're done. Dwight, yeah. Thanks for joining us, everybody. <laughs> we were just trying to – this is existing just to determine if I know the names of our series. Uh this week, let's focus on the near future. I was talking about Guardians, which, by the way, premieres Saturday, September 26th at 9.30 p.m. We're talking about Guardians. Let's focus on this week. This week on Marvel's Ultimate Spider-Man Web Warriors, uh, we have a title. We have a, a, an episode titled Burrito Run. Yes. What can you tell us about this upcoming episode? Uh, even superheroes get hungry sometimes. And this is an episode where Spider-Man, Power Man, Luke Cage, and Squirrel Girl decide to sneak out from S.H.I.E.L.D. Academy and get some munchies for the whole gang. And along, and the way, then they just get, they just get the burritos, and then they go back home. And then the episode's yeah, yeah, over, right? That's pretty much it. <laughs> it's a short episode. It's like a three or four minute episode. They just yeah. go to Chipotle. Well, and two minutes is them getting the burritos, and then eighteen of them eating them. <laughs> eighteen of them eating them in very, real time, very slowly. In real time. Yeah. Uh, but no, but no. What really happens on this burrito run? Well, uh, hilarity and action ensues. They uh, uncover a supervillain plot. I'm not going to give away all the details. Does it involve burritos? It does not involve burritos directly, but it all sort of ties together nicely in a, in a, in a little bow at the end, a burrito bow at the end. So you could say it wraps up there you go. quite nicely. There you go. Right? That's if, if you need another writer. Did you think of that on the way over? <laughs> yes, yes. I, I workshopped that, and I, <laughs> and I practiced in front of a mirror. How can I make it look casual to just say everything wraps up? Uh, no, but it's it's a really fun episode because we we get to play with some sort of classic Spidey villains that we have not yet seen on the show, uh, Shocker and Boomerang and some others show up, and we thought it was sort of like a fun uh, episode and op- opportunity to bring these sort of you know these uh, more street level villains uh, into the show. So that was a lot of fun. Very cool, uh, and Marsha. What kind of burrito do you think Spider-Man prefers? Like, is he a chicken guy? Is he a steak guy? Is he? I I th- you know, I'm not really sure about the protein. Fair enough. In the burrito, um, I would hope that he agrees with me that rice has no place inside the burrito. Rice belongs on the outside of the burrito. Inside is beans and protein. Outside is rice. So I'm hoping. Because I'm a big fan of his, I hope that he supports me in the burrito lifespan. You, you heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Marvel's yeah. official burrito stance is rice goes on the outside. It's just my official stance, but I'm hoping. Well, Harrison hasn't chimed in with uh, a, an opposing position, so. I don't, I don't really look inside the burrito. I just eat it. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> what a, if someone puts a burrito in front of you and it's just, eh, this is a burrito, eat it. Yeah, it's not meant for looking at it, so. See what what I like to do is I like to get a burrito bowl personally. Okay. And then that's and your th- choice, I guess. And then and then it's like a deconstructed. And then you also get chips on the side, and you like crunch them up and sprinkle them around. It's called not a burrito. 
essentially. I mean, it's not a burrito. Yeah, I mean, well, the Supreme Court says that's your choice. So. <laughs> Absolutely. You it go. is my choice. Uh, so that episode is going to be airing Tuesday at 9 p.m. on Disney XD. Check out that episode. Also this week, we have a brand new episode of Marvel's Avengers Assemble. I believe it is entitled The Last Stand. Avengers what? Last Stand. Aven- oh, Avengers Last Stand. Not yeah. even just the last Not stand. The, wow. Just, yeah, Avengers Last so, Stand. So, uh, Marsha, what can we expect from this episode? Um, well, in this episode, the Avengers are challenged by a sort of fully formed and powerful Squadron Supreme, which uh, leads to a battle over the fate of Earth. Wow. Which I like to call Tuesday. <laughs> Um, so it's, um, it's basically, you know, Cap and Tony are, uh, they go missing and, uh, suddenly the Supreme, the Squadron Supreme attacks the Avengers and transports them into sort of various battle arenas. Um, so it's different Squadron Supreme members fighting different members of the Avengers. It's not, you know, they're not in any kind of arena, but... Uh, they go to a, there's a, a nightmare factory where things come alive, all the equipment and stuff. There's a, a frozen tundra. There's a variety of things. Um, and ultimately, uh, along the way, Falcon sort of assumes a leadership role without Cap and Tony around. So this is a big Falcon episode for him cool. to figure out if he has what it takes to be a leader. And um, ultimately... Uh, we think we've found out what Nighthawk's plan is. Uh, Nighthawk, who con- who runs the the squadron, uh, but is it? Ooh. And so uh, we ultimately find out that what we thought he was up to is not what he's up to, and uh, the fate of the Earth is uh, at risk. You know, I have not watched the episode yet. And my money is on Squadron Supreme destroying the planet. And this being the very last episode of the series. I don't know about you guys. I'm sure you've seen it already. You helped create it. I know there's a third season planned. But you can't always plan things when it comes to battling for the safety of the entire Earth. No, or animation. Exactly. When it comes to animation. Anything can happen in animation. Because it's just going on on the spot. So make sure to tune into that episode. Sounds real intense. That is going to be airing Sunday morning at 8.30 a.m. on Disney XD. I'm real surprised that there was not some sort of crossover event with, like, Burrito Run and Squadron Supreme, like Burrito Supremo, Squadrino, or something along those lines. Again, season finale. See, Who's again, season finale? these are just things that I'm just coming up with. Just spitballing. Spitball, just spitballing. I mean, we're in a conference room right now. So if anyone ever calls in sick, I'm, I'm glad to drive on over and take someone's spot to throw crazy ideas at you guys. Uh, so, again, Tuesday night, 9 p.m., Marvel's Ultimate Spider-Man Web Warriors. And Sunday morning at 8.30 a.m. on Disney XD, Marvel's Avengers Assemble. Marsha, I'd like to thank you for joining us. Thank you, Patrick. Harrison, I'd like to thank you as well. Thank you. If you're busy next week at this time, I'm going to assume you're in the bath, and I will go the other direction. (laughs) So have fun with your very own personal episode of This Week in Marvel. And until next time, make sure you cartoon in. All right, guys, we're back. Um, So... 
As I promised earlier in the episode, we have a special guest, Kate. Hello. Hi. It's very nice to see to talk to you with you again. Yes. Yep. Uh, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, why you're here at Marvel. All right. So for my science fair project this year, I'm I should say this. I'm going into my senior year of high school. So last year, my junior year, for my science fair project. I analyzed female gender roles in Marvel comic books from 1960 to the present, which is a really, really fancy way of saying I looked at the women in comic books, how they were drawn, how they interacted with each other, and how that changed. Yeah, and what did you find? Okay, I found the first thing I did, because social sciences, especially where I'm from, are not considered to be real science. Like, I love where I'm from. It's not nothing against you, but there's, there's a stigma. Damn you, Ohio. <laughs> so... So I wanted to make sure that whatever I did, I did really, really super thoroughly. So I created a rubric, which is, uh, it was a set of categories, seven categories. Uh, cover art, Bechtel test, which is women talking to each other. Occupation, if women had jobs. Balance of power, if they made decisions. Female sexualization, if they were sexualized. Violence against women, and... Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I, I can never... I think I already said balance of power. Balance of power, then. Okay. Otherwise, if that's not true, I'll send a rubric to Ryan and he can plug in the actual one. All right. And I looked at those seven categories, and each category had set parameters for a score of zero to five. Zero being there were no women, five being that women were shown equally to men, or that there were women doing things that were super heroic, or heroic, or just well-rounded. So I took, and I once I had that rubric, and I had a bunch of other people, I had ten other people, teachers and librarians, rate a comic book on it, and I rated it, and I compared our scores in their notes, and they had a couple of little tweaks that I had made and then I th- that they wanted me to make. So I made those changes. I gave them a new comic book. I rated it. They rated it. That rated it. And this time our scores were almost the same. So from there, I was able to take my score, my, my nice inter-rater reliability checked <laughs> rubric with me to Bowling Green State University, which, if you're in northwestern Ohio or any of Ohio or the Midwest, has one of the best popular culture libraries in the country and one of the best popular culture studies programs. And they were very, very kind, and they allowed me to work there. They, they gave me visiting scholar status, which meant that their librarian, Alex Cox, sweetest guy ever, pulled all my comic books for me. He randomly pulled titles, and they let me work with all of their comic books. So once a week, every Sunday night, from 5 in the evening till 9 at night, I rated comic books. Oh, my God, that must have been so hard it was to read <laughs> comics for four hours truly. every Sunday. Yeah, but uh, I looked at, I ended up, I looked at 788 different comic books okay. with 68 different titles over about 55 years. And I split those up by decade, and I found all of their scores, each 0 to 5 category. And again, the higher the score, the better. So a total of 0 to 35 points. And then I found those averages. And in 1960 to 1969, the average score a comic book might receive out of 35 points was 12.20. Yeah. <laughs> Embarrassing. And But the, the good thing is, by 2010 to 2015, the half of the decade that we're in right now, that score had almost doubled. It had gone up to 22.50, which is far, far better. In the 1960s, I had 15 comic books that got a p- perfect score of zero. Oh, my gosh. In 2010 through 2014, I had about as many comic books get a score between 30 and 34. Okay. All right. So we're, we're doing a lot better. Yes. There's always room to improve. Absolutely. Yes. Um, so are do you plan to revisit this at any point? I One of the big things, right now I'm trying to publish it. I would love to be able to publish my work in an academic journal to be able to sort of make it a little more available to the public. But more even than that, for next year, because science fair is mandatory at my school from seventh grade until you graduate. And science is fun, but it's not its not my thing. I've always loved history, English, women's studies, so I always try to find a, a project that'll really hold my attention with the things I like. So going off of that, this year I looked at Marvel. I'd like to do an extension, or, or a continuation, I should say, for my project next year. 
and look at either DC or indie comics and see how those scores might stack up against Marvel's. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And in five years' time, if you're still interested in, in this particular project, I'd love to see how we did from 2015 through 2020. Or maybe Absolutely. someone else, you can, once you share this, someone can take, take that and, and sort of do this. Absolutely. That would yeah. be a huge honor. It would be great to see someone else continue off of this or to keep working with it. It's been a great time. I actually really like this project. Yeah. No, it's super cool. I, I, I saw it. Um, it was tweeted from someone and then retweeted and came across <laughs> my feed and uh, in a science article. And I thought this mm-hmm. was great. So I reached out, got in touch with you. Um, super glad you could come by. You got to visit Marvel, which it was, seemed like yeah. you had a good time. <laughs> I had a, a wonderful time. This is, this is, I, I don't have words. This has been really, really <laughs> amazing. I got to meet a lot of the editorial staff. I got to meet people who edit some of my favorite comic books. I, I uh, Watching you fangirl out over Sana Amanet <laughs> was delightful it was she was delightful she i had was. a wonderful time it's it's been amazing i'm sitting here in a room with a giant bust of the hulk like 10 feet away from me the wall is a mural of the hulk i'm told the room is called the hulk it's it's really cool <laughs> <laughs> very very good uh and you have an extended interview on the moon of marvel yes I uh, do. which judy will be putting up um probably the same week i think this coming week judy's sitting over here because I don't know how to use the recorder properly. Uh, Friday, uh, I think she said it's yeah. going live. So this will be up Thursday. That'll be up Friday. And awesome. Thanks for coming in. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. All right. This episode, guys, man, packed, right? Woof. Woof. All right. So before we dive into this week's questions, we've, we're going to go through all, we being me, are going to go through all the Twim URCs we missed last week. And uh, in our document, Alex has noted this as TwimURC2 colon Twim Harder. In parentheses, Alex, Alec, apostrophe S, shame edition. Well done, Alec. Good job. All right. So first up, DJ Fanko says it's time to dive into some Ant-Man adventures. Marvel's Jack Kirby covers are always bigger than life, never more so than dealing with Ant-Man. And he has a great uh, shot from Tales to Astonish, number 35, which is so true. He just Jack just killing it with that perspective shot. Uh, he says, I admit, I didn't recognize Kirby's work right away. The styles seem different. Um, and I think, you know, there are telltale signs of a, of a Kirby image, but he also was great at sort of masking himself and doing it differently. And when you have different people working on it, I, it, I could see where you might mistake it right at first. Um, DJ Fango says, Henry Pym can't quite quit the serums even when his life is on the line he has a, a another page from one of the books um i think that there's a cool little bit in in uh in the movie where hank pym is talking about how uh he can't put on the suit anymore he can't do it it's taking a toll on him it's it's simple but it, i think it was really effective uh all right, DJ Fago continues, says, Ant-Man is a formidable opponent. He takes down nearly the entire Avengers in issue 161, which is true. I mean, especially when you're not really ready for him, uh, he can come at you in so many different ways with the insects, with the shape change, you know, the size changing powers. Uh, you can be big, you can be small, all that kind of stuff. And yes, he is able to take down the Avengers pretty, pretty solidly. Uh, DJ Fanko says Avengers 195 was full of antics with Yellow Jacket, Ant-Man, and the Wasp, busting up a hive of scum and villainy. Loved it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say I'm going to love those puns. Good job, Don. He says the two-issue Taskmaster 
arc was a lot of fun. Great arc, uh, great art, good fight, and good night. Well, good night to you, sir. He says he loves how this story tackled the age-old question, where do henchmen come from? Uh, yeah, we talked about that a little bit last week. Uh, I, it's friggin' great. It's It makes a lot of sense, and it's, uh, yeah, make some money. Do things like that. Taskmaster's a smart cat. All right. He continues. He says, Hank McCoy was always goofy and bombastic, but Cap and Iron Man shut him down pretty hard. Yeah, that's – I mean, all right. I will say in the the image that Don chose for this, he's got uh, Beast Kraken Wise. Uh, Wasp is wearing that weird outfit that she wore to turn uh, Hank on. But Hank is – he's been having – he's been through a ringer. He's had a lot of problems. Um, and – it was probably the wrong time to be making those jokes. Uh, just just didn't make any sense. Um, and they shut him down rightfully so. Uh, Don continues, says, The Wasp demonstrates impressive self-defense skills against the Mad Doctor. There's, yeah, there's this great shot where she's um, heel striking, palm striking him right on the chin. And the great sound effect is chuck, which, uh, you know. I, I would say don't try that at home, but the chuck sound effect is 100% legit. Uh, Don continues, says, Quick, Ant-Man, put on your helmet while my wife kisses another man. Wait, what? Hashtag priorities. I mean, you know, like she was... There, there were, There's some reasoning there. I get, you know, at first blush, it, it it's a little awkward, but yes. Uh pulls out Don drops down a gorgeous panel from George Perez he says George Perez made every last inch of the big henchman battle count so much action yeah I mean you've got uh, a a henchman flying in a jetpack getting punched by uh, Ms. Marvel who yells holla which is terrific Uh, you've got Wonder Man getting shot while at the same time beating up three dudes you've got Vision blasting the crap out of things you got Beast you know, jumping and pummeling, cap kicking while also blocking with his shield and probably punching another dude. I mean, that's what makes the Avengers so great. They work together as a team in the midst of giant battles and uh, can complement each other and save each other. Don says, The epic Ant-Man moment from Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes was inspired by the comics. Hashtag makes sense. Yes, there is a, there is a great Earth's Mightiest Heroes shot. I think... I think Hawkeye, sh- you know, shoots the arrow with Ant-Man on it from very far away, and if it's the shot I'm remembering. Uh, but, I mean, that was part of the beauty of Earth's Mightiest Heroes. It took so much from the comics and made it work in that different medium so incredibly well. Uh, I love that show. So good. Uh, I love this one from Donnie. He says, Seriously, in the last few years, I've realized how much I've underestimated both Hawkeye and Scott Lang. It's true. They're easy to underestimate. One, Hawkeye is, you know, you, you might think of him just as a dude. And Scott Lang is just a guy who shrinks. But there's so much more. They've got so much heart. They're a lot smarter than given credit for, especially Scott. Uh, so, yeah, it's cool to see that sort of those realizations coming up. Um, we go on. He says, Jack of Hearts was an interesting choice for an Avenger. I agree. I don't really remember all the the details around him joining and all that stuff. Uh, if you read more of the Jeff Johns arc, though, you get more perspective, and it's it's pretty cool. And then 
then you start to read into Brian killing him off because that's what he did. Uh, Don says, 62 is a must-read issue. What a masterful narrative of two men on parallel tracks. Well said, sir. Thank you. Um, now, oh, yeah. So Don continues talking about um, Jack of Hearts and says, one of my favorite story arcs from the Ron Lim, uh, Ron Mars years of Silver Surfer featured Jack of Hearts. And he shows off uh, three issues from Silver Surfer uh, from issues 76 through 78. I remember these a little bit. Um, a little bit because you got Morg. You've got uh, that cool look for Nebula, which, you know, definitely inspired uh, the film stuff. Um, all kinds of cool stuff going on there. And that, if we read those, might give us a little bit more insight into uh, where he was during those years and get some background. Um, because we don't have the definite answer of where he was during those years. I think this is Don's last. He says, uh, I thought Jeff John's characterization of Jack of Hearts was spot on with a beautiful retcon. And then, yeah, we talk about um, his father and his history and all that good stuff. All right. LJ Hollywood says, haven't done a Twim URC in a while, but I'm definitely down for a smorgasbord of Ant-Man awesomeness. Looking forward to these issues. So what's with Hawkeye's cowboy getup? I should probably go read some West Coast Avengers. I think we talked about that one last week. Um... He says, was Beast always so much of a joker? He seems so serious these days. It's weird seeing him as the comic relief. Well, that's the thing, LJ. For so many years, Beast was the, you know, like the goofball part of all those teams and, and sort of, you know, bounding or bouncing around and palling around with uh, with Wonder Man. Um, like seeing him now so serious and so morose at times, it's it's different. So it's, it's interesting for me to see it from a different point of view. Um, all right, so LJ continues, says, Interesting to see Taskmaster's first appearance was in a story that so heavily featured Ant-Man characters. I see Taskmaster as an Ant-Man villain. Ant-Man is one of the few dudes Taskmaster can't copy without a vial of pin particles. Very true, very true. There's, you know, that the ability to copy reflexes and do things as others do only goes so far when, like, he can't fire, you know, beams of energy or anything like that. Uh, and he can't change his size. So, very interesting. That's one problem he may, he continues to have a hard time with. Um, and it's, LJ continues, says, It just seems that Ant-Man and Taskmaster have a history with each other. The Taskmaster issue from Nick Spencer's run helped as well. Yes, it did. Uh, and then he looks at the Avengers 223 cover and says, The best Ant-Man cover ever made? Probably the best Ant-Man cover ever made. And that's the one with Hawkeye and Ant-Man. That's, it's going to be up there. It's going to be hard to top. Uh, a couple more tweets from LJ he says, Scott Lang will always be the Ant-Man for me. Hank was good, but I could relate and empathize with Scott on a whole other level. Very, very true. And that's one of those things, like, it's easy to miss those Scott issues if you aren't reading, you know, Avengers here and there. Uh, but he is so tied to that character and so relatable, as many people noticed by watching the movie and reading those books of late. Really, really cool. Um, then there's a question from LJ saying, is this Jack of Hearts the same Jack from Abnett's Guardians run? Whatever happened to that guy anyway? Uh, good question. I believe Ben would know for sure. I'm pretty sure it's the same Jack of Hearts. I don't think we've had more than one, uh, but he's died and come back and died and come back. You know how it goes. 
Uh, oh, oh, LJ says, uh, hang on, that was Jack Flag. Yes, not Jack of Hearts, Jack Flag. I see who you're thinking of. What was the deal with that guy? Uh, getting off topic. Hey, Ant-Man. Um, Jack Flag was, um, I think he had like a kind of super soldiery thing going on. And he was captured, if I remember correctly, captured during Civil War for being on the rebel side. And then put into the negative zone prison and went over. I could be totally wrong here. Uh, but he ended up running with the Guardians for a while, which was cool because he was a good foil for someone like Peter Quill. Um, last uh, up from LJ says, really enjoyed these issues despite the lack of ant-sized bone zone action. And they make the wait for the movie ant agonizing. Well done. The puns are wonderful this week, you guys. Thank you. It's a joy to read. I say that totally, completely, honestly. Um, yeah, we definitely need more Bone Zone action. Penelope Cat, got a bunch, says, Tales to Astonish 35. Right from the start, Pym is all, The serum is too dangerous. I must destroy it. Or maybe not. Sigh. Is this the first mention of unstable molecules in the Marvel Universe? Um, Penelope Cat, I would think not. I would think... I don't have all the dates in front of me, but Fantastic Four, if I recall correctly, began in 61, which this was 62, 63. I would imagine they put Unstable Molecules in FF before this, but could be wrong. Ben were here. That's the, that's the motto for this episode. If Ben were here. All right. Penelope Cat continues, says, Honey Ants plugging the gun barrels with honey. Sweet. But I'm dumb. Yeah, I went there. Again, these puns are wonderful. Thank you. Avengers 90, 195 says, Ah, the days when a character making a movie or TV reference was worth commenting on. Yeah. Yeah. In 196, he says, Scott Harris, is that a typo? Probably a typo. Uh, I don't have the panel in front of me, but um, it's either a typo or maybe like an alias that he was using, and we just don't have the context from previous issues. Uh, it says, Penelope Cat says, seems Ant-Man and Yellow Jacket could have gone in, a, in with a more effective way of communicating with the team than just ants. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, the, the ants, <laughs> that whole, like, I believe the ants are trying to tell us something thing is kind of hokey and fun. But, I mean, it's comics. It's cool. Uh, we continue on in issue 233 of Avengers. The bit with Scott's shrunken costume is hilarious. Always loved the lovable loser. Oh, always the lovable loser. Um, yeah, although nowadays I think he's eh, he's still the lovable loser, and he's terrific. Uh, Taskmaster, again, no wonder Scott thinks of him as his arch nemesis. Uh, and he says, this was a surprisingly low-key story for the Avengers, just Ant-Man and Hawkeye stopping a circus takeover. I love that sentence. It's, it's pretty great when you think about it. Penelope Cat continues, says... I like the change of pace. It also makes me want to read the other issues around it to see what else was happening. Then he shoots over to Avengers 62, which is the Jeff Johns, Gary Frank issue. Another low-key issue, but more focused on character, not any sort of adventure. Uh, and he said, all this week's choices for Twin Murcia, fantastic art, particularly Gary Frank and George Perez. Um, I'm particularly interested in Scott Lang's stories thanks to the movie. Glad this week uh, Twin Murcia gave me the excuse to read some. And I particularly like the bits that focused on the family. That's something that makes him unique. Yeah, I, not just the family, but, like, the divorced family, the the 
daughter that he's trying to do right by, who, you know, all those things, I think makes him super uh, relatable on a number of levels, which is great. Uh, Gotta have that. Rob Nolan says, unfortunately, I'm still playing catch-up. I think we talked about that last week. Um, Another comment from Rob saying, it's interesting to see Taskmaster's first appearance was in a story that's so heavily featured Ant-Man characters. Nope, that's wrong. I already read that. Never mind. Getting out of place. Uh, So Rob continues, um, checked out the current choice, Ant-Man issues. Uh, Interesting selection rather than a run. Love the Avengers number 62, Johns and Frank and crew. He says, hopefully with the launch of the Ant-Man movie, we'll see more of Scott Lang's Ant-Man in the comics. I mean, he's got his own series. That's pretty epic. And he was in FF for, you know, several years. So we've been featuring him pretty, you know, a lot. Hopefully, and I agree, we'll see more of him. Um, Rob says, I love Hank as a founding Avenger, a mentor, scientist supreme, and many other masks. But to me, Scott is a more Ant-Man. He's not necessarily the smartest or best, or best Ant-Man, uh, by no means the worst, because there's always Eric O'Grady, Rob says. But he is a, le- a legacy character. Look at Cassie. Yes, Cassie being stature, uh, you know, in, in Young Avengers, always cool. And then Rob finishes up and says, In all new, all different Marvel Universe, I hope we see Scott as a card-carrying Avenger. His time on the roster was always short-lived. I agree. Um, I think with all new, all different, we'll see um, just... A lot of stuff that could, maybe, would, should, could happen. Uh, but I think, you know, we've got all new, all different Avengers, which is going to be a super cool book by Mark Wade and crew. So look forward to that one. All right. Time to get into This Week in Marvel's regular questions and comments. Um, almost an hour-long run, doing it solo. Hopefully I'm doing okay for you guys. Here we go. Agent Twim. Rolls on, says, how is Morgan Le Fay not a bigger threat? With how many times she's time-traveled, she must be thousands of years old. She is a huge threat, uh, but I think she sort of has her own things that she wants to do and doesn't necessarily get herself uh, involved in too much, which means she doesn't bring attention to herself too often, which means she doesn't become that threat too often. That's what I'm saying. Uh Agent Twim says, is that Gambit as Daredevil's apprentice? I can't handle this new Marvel Universe. It's too crazy, too big, won't fit. Uh, You're going to love it, and you'll find out much more coming soon. I believe you're talking about the uh, Daredevil book in All New, All Different by Charles Soule. Uh, He says, oh my god, Secret Wars 4 was amazing, so good. I know Wolverine is all badass, and he's all samurai and stuff, but I find it hard to believe that a uh, guy whose fighting style depended on not caring, not caring how much he gets hurt because he'll just heal, was able to stop any and every assassin and hitman in the Marvel Universe and countless ninjas, all without his healing factor. But then again, comics. Exactly. I mean, it, it's comics, it's stories. The, he's a larger-than-life character. He is, you know... A legend, and the legend isn't built on a guy getting killed by a bunch of ninjas right away. Uh, Agent Twim says, Is this shirtless, scarved, mustached Fisk henchman the 1972 Fancy Dan? Oh! Uh, he points out a panel from 1872. Did I say 1972? I meant 1872. Um, could be Fancy Dan. I don't know. He seems a little... Uh, I don't, I, 
He's not fancy enough, if you ask me. Fancy Dan would have a shirt on. He would be a little bit more cleaned up. That's just me. He says, uh, Agent Twim says, 1872 is my Twim of the Week. It took me a couple of panels, and then I realized what I saw. I lolled. Um, <laughs> he points out a panel where Tony has this little uh, thing on his wrist that allows him to have a secret gun, and instead of a gun there, he has uh, a flask because he's a drunk. And uh, continuing on, Agent Twim says, Wow, what a great twist on Spidey. I love Renew Your Vows number two. So reflective of family nature. Two weeks is too long to wait for a new Spider Island. So good. Six armed heroes. And the ending. Give me more. I love that enthusiasm. He says, I love the multiple the world is a lie signs in the MC2 story in Spider Island. Hmm. Um, Agent Hum continues. I love it that you're buying so many books. Thank you. He says, yeah, boy. Master of Kung Fu is so good. Agreed. Pulls out some panels. It is such a great book. Uh, <laughs> Andrew Trump says, lay off Hank Pym, guys. I will, I mean, Hank's kind of a D-bag at times. Just telling it like it is. Uh, whatever happened to the days where Thanos was a simple farmer living in solitude? Uh, I miss him, and I don't see that in him anymore. I mean, that, what you're talking about, was right after the Infinity Gauntlet saga, where he had everything, then he lost everything, and he was reflecting on his life. I don't think he's at that point in his headspace. Everybody changes. Some days you just want to stay in, not talk to anybody, be a recluse. Some days you want to go out and party. It's all good. Everybody wants what they want. He says, I love how quickly Thanos and Warlock just sort of became bros in Thanos the Infinity Revelation. Is it just me or does the alien from Thanos Imperative look a lot like Impossible Man? Hell a lot like Impossible Man, I'll tell you that much. Um, he says, I, uh, Agent Swim says, I totally thought transmorgify was a made-up comic book word. Apparently not. It means to transform. Hmm. Comics teach. Remember that. He says, with so many ev- secret evil organizations in the Marvel Universe, I must assume the empo- unempo- unemployment rate is lower. Uh, maybe so. Maybe so. All right. Alan Wilkinson says, hashtag that awkward moment when you realize both This Week in Marvel hosts are younger than you are. Only a little, but still. Um, I get that sort of realization all the time when I realize, you know, I'm getting older and people who are doing crazy things are my age, like billionaires are my age. It's bananas. If anyone wants to give me a billion dollars, reach out. Ashley Day. I don't think we've seen Jelly Scare before. Ashley Day says, Ant-Man was supposed to be the first film of Phase 3, but now it's the last of Phase 2. What defines a phase anyway? Great question, Ashley. Uh, I think Kevin Feige defines the phases. Uh, president, Co-president of Marvel Studios. Um, I think it's, you know, I'm guessing it's up to them how they, you know, what the story, what makes sense for the story and how they want to tell it. Uh, I think for the first phase, we ended with Avengers, which made a ton of sense. It was a big culmination of so much. Whereas phase two, uh, the Avengers film was part of the whole story that was going on. wasn't necessarily that culmination. Um, it was in a sense, but I think you have a good uh, moment right at the end with Ant-Man sort of being that, like, I don't want to say epilogue, but that breather moment 
that ties in a whole bunch of things and is a cool like okay that's like that the the ending of a of a really great cliffhanger type thing of a book like all right we finished this see you soon come back with you know a whole bunch more and i think that's a great way to end phase two and for phase three to kick off with captain america marvel's captain america civil war makes total sense to me all right kate bengert says uh oh that mom is back in civil war oh she's trying to help oh oh well then she's dead yeah kate that was a brutal brutal moment in civil war uh seriously secret wars can just have my money so many books fantastic thank you Cade we really appreciate it Cade says Kabam hit gold again in Marvel United love it so far hope Marvel and Kabam work together for a very long time uh, Cade and that is something we'll be talking about much more in the coming weeks uh, I won't say too much but if, uh, if you are confused by what that means I'm sure you can figure it out uh, there's a soft bit of business going on right now and we'll get to that in due time Kate continues, says, Anywhere, anyone else getting the sense that Mr. Sinister is really important to Secret Wars? That dude is everywhere. Also, who doesn't want to read or write Sinister? He's just great. He says, Master of Kung Fu has Moon Knight as a ninja. Best book of 2015. Well said. It's, it's, it's a good contender. Kate says, If you could have a Marvel animal as a pet, who would it be? That is Lockjaw, Lockheed, Dogpool. Um, I'm going with Lockjaw. One giant bulldog with a f- tuning fork on his head. That right there, done. Then you add in the fact that he can teleport, which means I could go to Mexico and grab some tacos. I could go to uh, somewhere else and grab food. Everything revolves around me wanting to eat food that's really good. And I think Lockjaw would be the best pet because he and I could go places and eat and be best friends, and it would be the best ever. Kate says, Spider Island may be my favorite Secret Wars book so far. Wow, awesome. Wait, you just went from uh, Master of Kung Fu to Spider Island. I love it. That means you need, uh, you're loving them. Thank you. He says, Brew needs to be in more books. All the books. Brew is Cade's Modoc. Ooh, that's fair. Brew is a great character. Uh, Cade says, or asks, Norman Osborn is a good guy in Spider-Verse. I don't trust it. I agree. It's Norman Osborn. You can't trust him. He said, reread the Axis Carnage series, and now I wish there was an Axis domain. So much fun. Yeah, that would have been super cool to have, you know, those inverted characters in there. Um, You could sort of posit that that could happen very easily. Oh, well, maybe if we get a what if or some, some type of book or something else. You never know. Con Hippie says, just finished Secret Wars, Secret Wars number four, and just what? Question mark, what? I love it, Con Hippie. Uh, yeah. And we got four more issues to go. The what is going to be off the chain. Chucho Ortiz, who I believe is also new, says, brought swag courtesy of Disney Infinity and Think Geek to our This Week in Marvel live podcast at the library. I think that's just retweeting, copying the copy that I posted i could be wrong anyway chucho if you actually tweeted that and are listening uh hope you were there hope you enjoyed it daniel willis says um (laughs) that to ben i didn't know you're from 1872 uh getting in that bobby morse ben morse b morse joke um 
Danielle says, I don't know who you guys have to talk to in order to get into Marvel Lego, to get a Marvel Lego Dimensions uh, thing going on, but that needs to happen. Uh, I saw Lego Dimensions when I was at E3. Super duper cool. But we're a part of Disney Infinity, and I think um, I think we're going to – I don't know. I have no idea if those – if we could do both or continue to do – you know, one or the other, but I think the Disney Infinity stuff is super cool. 3.0 coming out, we've got Ultron and Hulkbuster, going to be awesome. Daniel says, so which comic is the main Avengers book and the main X-Men book going into all new, all different Marvel? Daniel, that's an excellent question. I don't know uh, what those are going to be. I don't know that we call them main. Sometimes it's like flagship or sometimes it's like the spot, you know, the particular one. Um, My gut says probably all new, uh, all different Avengers. Um, but I, off the top of my head, I don't remember every book that we have coming and I don't know about which X-Men book. Uh, these are questions for Ben, the man Morse. Uh, He would know for sure. Uh, Don tweeted, happy executioner song Saturday. This is, uh, from Comic-Con, uh, where very few people were representing the glory that is executioner song, but we held it down, Don. We did. Gareth Hatfield says, I've done it. I'm up to date. I started back in March from episode one, and it's been a wild ride. Thank you all for it. Holy crap. I wish Ben were here, Gareth. That is amazing. Well done, and hopefully uh, you are not dumber for listening to almost 200 episodes of us in that short span of time. Um, he says, sad to see Remender will not be writing Marvel stuff for a bit. Uh, wish him all the best and hope to read him again soon. Agreed, but, you know, Rick is awesome, and we've got Hail Hydra right now. He says, uh, (laughs) uh, Gareth says, uh, Ryan, following episode 194, you should post smoothies of the week and give them names like Paradise Panagos or Mellow Morse. I love that idea, although my smoothies are generally the same exact thing because I like it so much. It's blueberries, strawberries, kiwi, um, banana, kale, spinach, a whole bunch of powders and like seeds and stuff. And the coconut almond milk uh pretty much that and you're good to go throwing in maybe some raspberries or blackberries uh here and there but it's pretty easy pretty solid super tasty and don't worry if it comes out like a brownish color that's that's totally normal the smoothie the smoothie i'm talking about the smoothie uh all right gareth continues says uh also i used to focus on characters this podcast has opened me up to so many great creative teams again thank you you are very welcome and that's um it's super important just for me having known so many creators gotten to know so many creators over the years uh it's always super helpful to make sure that we try to spotlight as many people as we can and and mention them because oftentimes like their work is one of the things that makes you love a book even if you don't realize it so uh particularly when i look at great lettering or great coloring or great inking Uh, a penciler and a writer are like those two top names but those other guys when it's good you don't you don't even worry about it when it's bad it could destroy the book when it's great it makes it incredible just saying uh and he says spider-man and deadpool book by joe kelly and mcginnis please tell me this is true if so then i'm so happy gareth you will be happy 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 yeah i can't wait Kelly and McGinnis uh, did seminal run on Deadpool, so super excited to see what they do for this book. 
Uh, Glenn Ewing says, uh, for the first time in over a year, I can actually hear Ryan and Ben. Thank you, Alec Belmore. Hashtag someone deserves a job. Alec isn't even here to hear me uh, say that out loud, thankfully. But yes, uh, part of it is using these great microphones. Part of it is making sure that the levels are right. Uh, so hopefully we're, we continue down the path of righteousness. Um, and he said, Glenn says, Re, uh, this week in Marvel, FYI, Alias is now available on Comixology. Um, it's really good as well. Agreed. Glenn, thank you for that reminder. It is on the Comixology uh, store and app. Uh, if you buy it, you can also make sure, sync your Marvel account and your Comixology account so you can keep all your books in one, you know, crossover. That's what I've done so I can see all my Marvel books in my Comixology account. Uh, and yes, read Alias, buy Alias. So friggin' good. HW View says, uh, last week's twin was Ant-Man movie, and it was a good mix of funny and action. Well done, Haywood. Good choice. He asks if we've gotten Scott Lang yet in Avengers Alliance. I have not. I'm not sure about Ben. Henning Martins says, my twin of the week is Renew Your Vows number two, the most beautiful art and sensitive look at being a father and about the shift of responsibilities. As being a father myself, I know what it means to hide part of yourself without any regrets. All for family. It's the right choice. Always. Wonderful. What counts more, to inspire or to defend? Both? Ooh, headache. That is some deep, deep business. I like it. I like it. I like it. I like it. Um, I can't answer that question. Um, it's a tough one. Can't we do both? Can't we inspire, defend, and uh, do all kinds of great things for the ones we love? I think we can. Uh, Joshua Sandal, thanks for writing in, says, Just saw the new Ant-Man, and I, 10 periods, loved it. Thank you, Joshua. Glad you loved it. I saw it four times. I loved it, too. Jeremy Graham, or Jerome Graham, says, Wouldn't... um, he asks about casting. He thinks someone would make a great character. Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure who she is. Um, and, you know, we don't really talk about theoretical casting too much unless it's putting wrestlers in things because that's what Ben and I like to do. Uh, ooh, more from Joshua Sandal says, do you think the symbiote could latch onto other Marvel characters? Um, hasn't it? It has, right? There's a great what if. I'm pretty sure I've talked about it before. What if... Uh, Punisher became Venom might be the title, but it's from the the 90s and Frank Castle gets the symbiote and it's terrific. Uh, The way he deals with Kingpin, oh my God. You will lose your minds if you read it. Jesse Delia says, I'm looking for some 2099 and Marvel Unlimited and finding a limited selection. Can we get X-Men 2099, Hulk 2099, Ravage 2099, Ghost Rider 2099, and more Spidey 2099? Um, hopefully, uh, Ghost Rider 2099 would be super cool. Uh, Doom 2099, is that not on there? That should be on there because that is good stuff once you get into the Warren Ellis craziness. Really fun. Uh, Michael Tempe says, um, am I on the right page before? Uh, yep. Uh, Michael Tempe says, um, Ben J. Morse, are you playing but haven't looked for an alliance yet? Why not open one for the This Weekend Marvel community talking about Future Fight? Um, yeah. That would be cool. should do it up. Uh, maybe Ben will do it when he's back. 
Mike Watson says, After hearing such high praise, I was anxious to read Squirrel Girl on Star Wars, but it's not on MU yet. What's the deal? Um, for Star Wars, I believe within the next couple weeks, we'll be getting those on Marvel Unlimited. Um, and then there'll be the regular six months later. There was just some business going on with getting them up there. Uh, probably a little bit of technical stuff. And then Squirrel Girl, I don't know, but I will ask. Uh, Pat Garrett says, Congrats on all new, all different podcasts. Good job. Thank you. But that was all Ben Morse. He is the mastermind behind that one. Raph AB says, Watching the This Week in Marvel panel at Comic-Con, first time I see what Wolfman looks like. Uh, Raph, you got to follow that up with, I was horrified, or something like that. Raph says, I wonder if we will see Woodrow McCord at some point in the Agent Carter series. That would be super cool. Uh, he says, The big post Comic-Con question is, did John Cerulli buy ice cream for the Marvel staff or not? Not yet. We are ice creamless still. So the more I read Years of Future Past, the more I fall in love with Marguerite Bennett's writing. So good. I agree, Raph. She is terrific. Says, I can't wait to be in 2025 when Marvel uh, would do a Young Avengers movie starring Cassie Lang. That uh, seems like a little too soon for me. I would guess. Maybe not. Who knows? Uh, but that's what you want, not necessarily anything that is a reflection of what could or would happen. Uh, Raf says, I'm working on an app using Marvel's API. Uh, however, some series don't seem to be listed. Who should I contact? Uh, maybe there's a contact on the API site. That would probably be the first step. If not, online support at marvel.com and they could probably find you the right person. Raf says, watching Comic-Con Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. panel, Clark gave gave a very motivational speech to an eight-year-old girl. Clark Gregg is pretty great. All right, Ricky Williams says, listening to all new, all different special, Daniel has the most perfect evil laugh ever. Uh, You've never met Daniel Ketchum. You would know that he is evil. Good evil, but like super evil. Does that make sense? Probably in my mind, not to you. It's okay. Ricky says, when Ben said manning the New York offices, I pictured him and the intern in empty offices like the scene with Tom Cruise in underwear playing guitar. On the broom, lol, in episode 193. Please never make me picture Alec and Ben running around Marvel headquarters in their underwear. I don't need that in my head. I don't need that in my head. Rob Nolan says, the Horizon Labs mailroom never tires. Marvel Comics care packages off to the Philippines from the UK. Enjoyed a look in Prime. You're doing good work, Rob. Thank you for sharing the comics. He says, gradually working my way through the Bowery Boys archive podcast. Have been ever since they appeared on This Week at Marvel. I'm now making a far more concerted effort listening to a good one to three Bowery Boys episodes a day. Really enjoying learning so much. Um... And then uh, he says, uh, really learning so much about my favorite city. Big thanks to This Week of Marvel introducing me to the Bowery Boys. Rob, that is awesome to hear. I love it. Love it. Uh, We actually exchanged some emails with uh, the Bowery Boys folks last week as they've got something cool cooking up that we helped uh, them line up something for. And uh, I'm very excited to see what they do with that. Uh, I say no more because I'm sure they have their own plans to reveal and talk about that stuff. Rob says, podcast time. Alas, episode 190 of This Week of Marvel has to get skipped. Uh, but no negativity as Ben Morse did the th- decent thing and forewarned us. What happened at 190? Um, oh, 
He says, jump to the end of 190. Thanks for reading my comments. Always grateful for an abstract sprocket shout out. I don't know what happened. That's a bummer. Uh, he says, it wasn't clear, Ben. Sorry, UEA had an Avengers night because the end of, of Age of Ultron was shot on campus. Uh, bouncing around there. Sorry, guys. Rob, um, gotcha. Uh, Rob shouts out to Nick Spencer saying he did such a great job on the Ant-Man annual. The idea of a lab and Hank's helmet was genius, right? I love that. It's one of those little things where it's like, yeah, of course he'd do that because he's a genius, crazy wild man. Um, huge brava to Ben Morse for not only his ongoing dedication to soloing episodes of This Week in Marvel when Agent M is globetrotting, but also for a fantastic editor's ep of This Week in Marvel covering all new, all different. Such a great overview of what's to come. Agree, agree, agree. Ben was so excited to do that and was so happy with how it came out, as are we all. Um, hopefully we'll do more of those. I think that it was just a really fun thing, although crazy tiring for everyone involved. Ross Meyer says... Uh, I like the all-new uh, series announced, even the new Doctor Strange series, since he has a movie out soon. Why no new Black Panther series? He hasn't had one since he took over Hell's Kitchen years ago. He even has a movie coming out, too. Ross, you never know. I mean, just because we haven't announced something now, whether or not it's for Black Panther or for the thousands of other characters we have, doesn't mean there are not possibilities down the road. Uh, all things in due time, and if you look at the way we do things... When characters are coming to the light and to the forefront, we do make a really cool effort to expose them to more people and to get cool things out there. So I would imagine we've got tons of stuff happening in the comics and TV and movies. You'll see all many things you want and things you didn't even think about. Does that make sense? Uh, Ross says, I was pleasantly surprised by the Ant-Man annual. Thank you for acknowledging that the OGNs actually happen in the comics. I've been waiting for someone to at least mention Hank Pym's death. There you go. Uh, he says, uh, dreams do come true. And then, wow, yes, points to what if number 10 from the original what if series saying, what if Jane Foster had found the hammer of Thor? Um, yeah, it's pretty crazy. I forgot about that. Oh, man, now we're going to read that. Um, and he says, Ben, can we get any more 73 and 1990 Ghost Rider on Marvel Unlimited? There's barely any. Uh, we'll find out. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with what they're working on for digitizing and, and what the process, you know, how many books they're working on. But we're adding dozen, literally dozens of books every week. So uh, we do what we can. RP67 says, so was it by chance that Marvel looked exactly like Lawson? Uh, oh, that We talked about that, I think, last week. Uh, we talked about something. This one from RP67 I am not reading out loud. Uh, he says, loving the old school art, pointing to uh, a page from, I don't know, just a, a page of original Captain Marvel looking awesome. Uh, he says, yes, so that new Defenders issue came out May 18, bleh, 1985, birthday issue. Kind of cool to say what came out around then. Uh, that's RP67 rolling back to a couple episodes ago. Uh, and he says, Ant-Man was amazing. Great movie. Huge Hank Pym, Hank Pym fan. Wasn't let down. Thank you. You are welcome. Um, <laughs> and I love this one from uh, RP67. He says, did anyone notice that a third version of Ant-Man appeared in the movie? Hashtag Garrett Morris. Hashtag SNL. Which calls back to classic, 
classic SNL skit uh, of superheroes at a party where you had Belushi as Hulk. You had uh, Garrett Morris as Ant-Man. And that's been pointed out a bunch of times. I was waiting for someone to, to figure that out. So kudos to you. Uh, RP67 is uh, has a tweet about a movie that is not out, not made by Marvel Studios. So uh, I'm not going to read it because I don't, no reason to be harsh or unkind to anyone or anything. He says, anyway, the new season of Agent Carter is going to have Ant-Man and Wasp. Uh, oh, he's asking, will it? Um, I, I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, because if you, I mean, we're still talking about still pretty far back where Peggy goes to L.A. So um, when we have more details about this season of Marvel's Agent Carter, we will let you know. And he says, is there supposed to be a 10-issue gap for the reading club, uh, the Ghost Rider issues? Yes. Uh, if you read where we talk about it in uh, at the end of last episode, we mentioned that uh, the first arc is sort of crucial, and then the last arc hints at a lot of stuff that we see in Ghost Racers. But I suggest you read everything in the middle, but we don't want anyone to feel like they have to. So that's my my suggestion is read the entire Jason Aaron run of that Ghost Rider series. Uh, but you only we're only going to specifically talk about those seven issues we pointed out. Tech Lord says, Ben, you've got a house in Timely. That's so. Oh, oh wait, Bobby, who are you mocking me? Well done, Tech Lord. Uh, Lex Pendragon wants a dramatic reading of the Secret Wars intro, preferably by Stan Lee. That'd be super cool. Hmm. Hmm. Tech Lord says, Alec Belmore raises the bar for interns. I thought this week in Marvel sounded great and not quiet as that old recorder normally did. Uh, I'm listening to 194 and wondering, what's up with the new theme music? Now, that's our last question tweet of the episode. I don't know. Do we have new theme music that no one told me about? Because I've been working on a project to get a new song made specifically for the podcast. Uh, so I got to go talk to Blake Garris, see what the heck that tweet's about. We'll find out. So many more things to go on. Um, guys, you were, you were awesome, both in TwimURC and in This Week in Marvel. So many questions and comments. I thank you so much. Hopefully my voice isn't too off, and hopefully the sound is great. And um, hopefully we have Ben back next week. Uh, so I, I, I fully feel his, uh, his pain and know the struggle is real doing one of these episodes on your own. Uh, but thank you guys for being with us. And we'll be back with more next week. Remember, read your Ghost Rider. It's on the Unlimited app uh, right now. And that's about it. This is Marvel, your universe. <laughs>